This episode is brought to you by Trainer Road, cycling's most effective training tool. Pair your power meter or use virtual power with over 800 workouts and 80 training plans to make you a faster cyclist. Visit trainerroad.com forward slash SPC to try Trainer Road risk free for 30 days. I'm Damien Roos and welcome to the Threshold Technical 10. These episodes will be out every other week and explore a single actionable topic. This show is a stair-step approach to improving your sprint. And there is a lot more that goes into a sprint than you first think. A good sprint is only about 15 seconds long, but in a way, putting together a good and fast sprint is more complex than training to ride 100 miles. The components of a fast sprint include technique, force, and speed. The components of a good sprint in a race add another level of tactical complexity and also includes luck and, of course, guts. What we're going to look at in this show is how to find your weaknesses in your sprint and train them. Before we get going, though, I want to acknowledge John Fraley and his products, the former Sprinting 1 and 2. The concepts mentioned in this show were all developed by John, so all credit goes to him. It's all very well to look at your max and average powers and think that a high number will equal a fast sprint. Even if you take this number and divide it by your weight to get your watts per kilogram... This approach will only lead to disappointment when you're trying to improve your sprint. The issue is that the average power number you produce over 15 seconds does not account for the three distinct and trainable parts of a sprint, each one adding momentum to the next. To help you understand where your sprinting limiters are, we can put together a sprint profile. The idea of a sprint profile, again, is not my own. It's a concept developed by John Fraley, and John developed this system to train himself and his athletes. The profile itself is split into three components. These components also make up the technique needed for a fast sprint. That is a topic for another day, though. The three components are, number one, the torque phase, number two, the run phase, and number three, the top end. The defining factor in a fast sprint is the ability to generate power over 120 RPMs. It doesn't stand in isolation, though, as we need to generate power from the time we start a sprint at lower cadences until we have a powerful sprint for a full 15 seconds. Split over three cadence ranges, we start to see the profile form. Number one, the torque phase, and this is the low end between 60 to 100 RPMs. Number two, the run phase. The run phase is the mid-range, and here we're talking 100 to 120 RPMs. Number three, the top end. The top end is 120 to 130 RPMs for a road sprint, and 120 to 140 plus for a track sprint. The idea of a sprint profile is to break up your sprint into these three ranges to work on your limiters. You want to look at your average power over five seconds for each of these three ranges. How do you do this? 
This is where most software falls flat. It can only show your average and best power outputs, but not split over cadence ranges. I have actually figured out how to do this on WKO4, though. I've called it the Sprint Profile by Cadence Bin Chart. It takes the best and average five-second power from one session and displays it in a bar graph. You can get hold of this chart inside the SemiPro community. The chart not only splits your best 15-second sprint into max 5-second power at each range, but also, more importantly, average 5-second power at each range. Average power is more important because the sprint profile is built on these 5-second averages. This is where we take the stair-step approach to training your limiters. You could start at the most obvious limiters after you've had a look at your best 15-second sprint, especially if you have a well-developed area. But if this is new, then start at the torque phase and work on all three sequentially. And this is why I called it the stair-step approach. The sprint profile then allows me to check progress and also dictates the time spent on each step. Taking a stair-step approach, I would start off with efforts to build the low-end range. These can be done as standalone efforts or adding the transition to the mid-range. Low-cadence wind-ups or stomps will replicate sprinting from a low-cadence. This is not always applicable to road racing, though, as generally you start from a higher cadence. If a sprint started at under 100 RPMs though, you need to have the ability to snap to the mid-range. Once we have trained the low-end range, we simply move up to the next step and work on the mid-range in isolation, and this part of the sprint, the run, is done sitting down. Without proper technique, the transition to 120 plus RPM becomes very difficult. Riders may find this the most difficult to get a handle on. Generating a high cadence while controlling form takes patience and practice. Finally, we get to the top end. Arguably, the most important aspect of a fast sprint is being able to produce a high cadence. And being more specific, again, the real power for speed is made above 120 RPMs. This is why a lot of cyclists struggle to sprint well. They never go above 120 RPMs, let alone spend time training there. This is likely the most undertrained part of the rider's sprint. The approach to training this area is similar to the stair-step approach as a whole because first we need to generate the cadence and then we need to add force. So this demands a build-up over time from a lighter gear to a progressively harder one where you are eventually able to generate a race pace sprint. Once you have worked on each of the components individually, it's time to put it together. Training a complete sprint can include many variations, either alone or with other riders. Coming off the wheel of another rider by dropping the wheel is a fundamental skill in a bunch sprint, and drills with others hone this skill and are the finishing touches to complete your sprint. Out of all the options to practice a sprint, the only part I know to be necessary is practicing the kick at the end. Once you hit 130 RPMs in a road sprint, stand up and kick for two seconds. This will give you the edge when it comes to ensuring you cross the line first. And this is also a great time to practice the art of the bike throw. Are you confused yet? See... I told you that the sprint was complex. If you take these steps one by one, you will be able to improve your sprint, not just the max power over the entire sprint, but actually affect the three different phases that make up a complete sprint. 
That's it for this show. Special thanks to our sponsors, Trainer Road, the smartest training tool where you can get 30 days free by heading over to trainerroad.com forward slash SPC. That's trainerroad.com forward slash SPC. I'm Damien Roos. Thanks for listening. <laughs>